Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Good morning. Today is Wednesday, March 25th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Tani Levitt. I'm your producer, and today I'm bringing you something different. If you haven't seen on Twitter, yesterday we launched a brand new podcast here at 24-7 Sports Podcast, and we're really, really excited. Two of our best people on the website, Bud Elliott and Barton Simmons, are doing a show about recruiting and how recruiting impacts the field and how the field impacts coaching and all that insider stuff that only someone with the insider knowledge that Bud and Barton have can deliver. So today we're going to hear a snippet, just 20 minutes of their first episode, which is an hour. And at the end, I strongly, strongly encourage you to look up Barton and Bud wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever we're there. And check it out because there are 40 minutes beyond what you're going to hear today uh, of really good stuff. Barton and Bud have been experts in this industry for ages, and hearing them together on one show is an absolute treat. So without further ado, here is a sneak peek of the first episode of Barton and Bud. What's up? Welcome to the first Barton and Bud show. Man, Bud, uh, excited to get this going. We've been talking about this for a while. Um, we have been, uh, you know, friends in the industry for a while and, and have, I've certainly been observing your stuff and, and, and excited to get you over at 24 seven. And, and now that you're here, you've been doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes and, uh, um, it's time for us to get in front of the, in front of the mic and, and start chopping this thing up, man. This is going to be really exciting. Dude, I'm, I'm excited about this, that the Martin and Bud show is live first episode. This, this is, I think this is just a chance for everybody to kind of listen in on the conversations that we have in the office every day with the exception that now we're not in the office because obviously the uh, coronavirus. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts or uh, whatever your podcast app is of choice. But this is going to be us. We'll, we'll, sometimes we'll talk broad. Sometimes we'll just kind of deep dive and, and, and go into a topic and it'll be football and recruiting and, and everything in between. You're one of the you're one of the podcast OGs. Like how, how long have you been doing the Nolcast? Like uh, I think 2011. So uh, nine years. Yeah. So I, I did a podcast in in 2004. Uh, no, 2000, it would have been 2005, the spring of 2005. I was graduate. I graduated the previous January and one of my roommates, we were all football guys who had played an extra semester and didn't have jobs yet. And we're just living in the house. And a buddy of mine said, figured out this thing called podcasts and, uh, and, and got it going. We called it the penalty box and it had nothing to do with hockey. 
but the the Predators play-by-play guy, Pete Weber, somehow dug it up and, and messaged us about it and was like, hey, nice podcast, like good audio. Like everyone was just figuring out podcasts and uh, it lasted for a few weeks. We had MJ Garrett of The Real World, uh, former Vanderbilt football player on there. That was our, 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 our top guest. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I guess I beat you to it, but, but your longevity, your, your longevity, uh, outlasted the, uh, the penalty box like month stretch. You, you, you Ivy league guys have been everything, man. Facebook in 2000 <laughs> podcast in 2005. And this, this is, this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we're, uh, this is going to be a little bit more high quality. I'm hoping. All right. So today, uh, we want to talk about football and recruiting, but obviously it's a weird time to do this. And We've been brainstorming all week, and and we're like, hey, we really don't want to talk about coronavirus, but at the same time, it has such a big, like, outlasting impact on things. We're today we want to talk about how schools are dealing with this, which schools might be set up to weather the storm, which schools might really uh, be hurt by this, and then kind of get into some of the nitty gritty of exactly uh, how some coaches and programs are are dealing with this, how some players are, and what we think the effect on the sport will look like. Yeah, so I thought maybe a good place to start um, or a place I'd like to dig into at least a little bit is, you know, look, pretty much spring practice is shot for for just about everyone. I mean, maybe there's some people that are holding out hope that there's going to be some more spring ball, but it's it's basically done. Like, unless they, they pass some sort of legislation that allows for some June spring ball or something, I don't see this happening. So, which that sucks for everybody. This is, that's just the reality. Um, I was kind of talking to my wife, like, look, we're all quarantined. Yes, our situation sucks. We've got, you're pregnant. We got two kids under five. We're, we're stuck in the house. But you know what? Like someone else has got three kids stuck in a condo and have to do home learning. And like it's everyone's situation is bad in different ways. But if you are a first-year coach, you are basically – you're in a condo in New York with five kids and two working parents and everyone's got to get their schooling in. Like it's the worst case scenario if you are a year one coach. And so I I was sort of interested in just sort of going down through some of these power five programs, maybe who is the, who is the most compromised, most affected by this, particularly among the the, the first year coaches maybe a couple that can kind of weather this a little bit um, and just sort of go through the spectrum and, and the uh, I don't know, the, the variety of, of, um, of impact that, uh, that some of these programs will have. So I'll, I'll kind of kick us off um, and I'll speak, I'll speak at least we'll, we'll start in the state of Mississippi. I'll speak at least sort of in terms of my interest level. I think the old Miss spring practices and the spring game was going to be fascinating because you had John Rice Plumley in this Rich Rodriguez offense, which was perfect for him and which was going to be so excited to see him operate with all these really talented running backs that they had put together uh, at Ole Miss. And now Rich Rod's gone. Lane Kiffin comes in. John Rice Plumley, the more unique player probably than Matt Corral. But Matt Corral, certainly the more polished and, and effective passer, which is a little bit more up Lane Kiffin's alley. So I, I, I just think that was going to be our first opportunity to see if, if Ole Miss really had sort of gone in one direction or the other and, and what it was going to start to really look like. 
Absolutely. I, I'm, I was really excited to see that as well with, with, with Ely. Obviously, like, like you said there, um, they've run some Wildcat-type stuff before under Kiffin. And they run a, I know he runs sort of a similar offense to what Kendall Bryles runs, uh, who, who's now at Arkansas, another, another first-year program. But like, there, there are so many things, culture-wise, facilities-wise, ops-wise, that you're trying to put in place as a first-year coach. And you have such a limited time where you have that new car smell, right? Or new coach smell, if we want to call it that. And and that's when you really get your buy-in. And part of that comes from people being around you and sensing your energy. And now nobody's around you, right? Most of these campuses are closed. A lot of these schools are work from home. I mean, I know a couple of programs have a situation where like one guy from recruiting, one guy from training, and, and like one coach can be in the office and the rest of them have to be at home. Like that is going to be really tough uh, for Ole Miss there, especially given the schedule that they have to play. Uh, we're at Mississippi State, though. I mean, Mike Leach, he brings in K.J. Costello, uh, the transfer from Stanford. They're trying to put in the, the air raid offense. Like, that's not something that typically looks all that pretty in year one. Like, that's that's an offense that depends on reps. And now, how many reps are they going to get? It, it's yeah. not like they're able to coordinate together. Yeah, like, I, I think that's going to be fascinating because and for a number of reasons first of all fortunately for Mike Leach and and the new coaching staff they they're not inheriting some sort of pro style system at least Joe Moorhead had more of like, I probably would have been tougher to make this transition from a Dan Mullen offense even than a Joe Moorhead offense uh but that's but but Joe Moorhead still isn't truly air raid and so I the the, the challenge is real that said, like so, KJ Costello, I, I we'll, we'll talk at some point about this. I, I did a, a piece, um, or Brad Crawford for us at twenty four seven talked to me and and sort of took my 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 list of the top quarterbacks in the SEC returning, and I actually had KJ Costello number one on my list. A lot of people disagreed with that, but you know, part of my reasoning, believing the KJ Costello was, I, th- I think he's really good fit for the offense. And I think you can step in as a quarterback in that offense and be really successful really early. The problem is, is all the pieces around you have to be functioning at a really high level for you to be able to step in and be successful really early. Uh, Gardner Minshew was a summer enrollee and at Washington State and was uh, placed, finished fifth in the Heisman voting. So the quarterback coming in in the summer, I think, was going to be not devastating for Mississippi State. I think what's more interesting and probably the bigger challenge for Mississippi State is in a lot of ways, Joe Moorhead did did some good things in Starkville. I, I think one area where he really whiffed was wide receiver recruiting. I, I went back and looked at let me let me rattle off these names, bud, and tell tell me who who are these guys you're excited about. This is the three classes that Mississippi State brought in at the wide receiver position in recruiting. Devontae Jason, Stephen Guidry, uh, Jaquarius Spivey, Brad Cumbus, Cameron Gardner. That's that's the first year. Javante Payton, Quinn Torber, Kaziah uh, Pruitt, Isaiah Zuber as a grad transfer. That's year two. And then the year three, the guys that he left, Leach, in this, pre- this last class, Malik Heath, Jaden Wally, Caleb Ducking, and then Leach went out in the second signing period and got Rufus Harvey, who I actually think is a really good player who's kind of a sleeper guy. Like, that's... For, for an air raid offense that is, I, I think it's so critical to have a really strong wide receiver group 
that's a bad group that they that they left this new staff. And, and you know, specifically, let's think about what the types of players some of these guys are. Like some of the names you listed off, a, a Gidry, a Heath, a, a Jason, I feel like are dudes who do have some athleticism and, and they are able to win physical battles, right? They can come down with the ball. Are any of those guys in your mind like really great, precise route runners? Is, is Leach going to be starting from scratch here in terms of guys who really know how to get open and understand the finer intricacies of route running? I, I don't think so. And that comes with reps, and those reps are not happening now in spring for Mississippi State, which which is, I think, to your point, right? Like the guys that they have are not that talented. And then the fit for, that, that they have of the guys is also maybe not ideal. And not only that, but yeah, and I agree. I think that the, the the fit is like the body types aren't aren't separators. They aren't guys that are um, route runners. To your point, and and you know the air raid route tree isn't isn't too complex, but it's also but but you have to have some guys that that have some um, some movement skill and space. And and I don't know that this roster is full of those types. And I think and this is a tangent that I will resist going on, but. Another critical thing that Mississippi State was going to need this year was probably a grad transfer at the at the wide receiver position, um, and it's going to be a lot trickier to navigate the grad transfer market now with without spring practice. Like, is there even going to be as much turnover in the grad transfer market when we when we see some of these guys that might have left after? Uh, their role on the team was identified. The writing sort of got on the wall. Um, I just I think it's going to be really interesting to see what is even out there in the grad transfer market. So that's another challenge ahead, I think, for for Mississippi State and for any team that's that's trying to um, to go down that path. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. People who had their lifting plan, their, their, their post-spring lifting plan in, some, some of the schools were, like I think Clemson got what, nine or ten yeah, practices in? It seemed like they had a lot. I believe I read. Like, so in my mind just transitioning here a little bit programs who are probably best equipped to weather this storm. Clemson is an obvious one because you have Trevor, because you have continuity in the coaching staff and because you did get most of your spring practices in. And also because Clemson seems to have incredible buy-in, right? Like if you told me, Hey, pick a team that you think is going to work their butts off at home based on these, these Instagram or iPad workouts that get sent. It's probably like I'm probably going to pick Clemson first, just because those guys will run through a wall for Debo Swinney all the time, and they really buy in to what he says. Uh, and then I think also Texas A&M, 19 returning starters, including the quarterback, that they, they feel like they're working together, and this is going to be a year. And we agree this is a year they have to capitalize on that schedule that they have. Uh, but then there's some some Power Five teams too, man. That I'm kind of like they're not a new head coach situation, but. LSU could really use this spring. Think about how much turnover that roster has. Think about their new coordinator situations and on both sides of the ball, even though I know, you know Emsminger is still there, but they did lose Joe Brady. Who are some of the, the, the non-year one coaching staffs 
who you think are going to be really equipped to weather this storm, and then maybe some who you have some concerns well, about. I mean, you're right. I agree with you. LSU is huge. Um, I was, I mean, so many guys, and then look, they're talented enough because the reality is as much as LSU lost, they probably are talented enough to backfill and reload um, with the way they've recruited. Now, the the big issue there, though, is obviously the quarterback position and like Miles Brennan having a chance to really see him get his reps um, is like that's that's huge. And so any of these teams that have limited experience, I, I, I just remember when I was playing, thinking back to spring ball, my my sophomore, junior, senior springs like those were. The coaches almost didn't need, like they didn't even want me prep playing. They they didn't even want me getting reps. It, 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 but but when I was a freshman heading into my sophomore year, when I'd only started a handful of games, like that was a time when comfort level of just calling the huddle, comfort level of just you know communication and just seeing the reps, like that's all critical. And so the new guys stepping in at LSU, like they just, if, if they just get, if they get 15 practices of those reps, like that's huge. You know, another thing here is academics as far as like a, a dirty little secret. I don't know if a lot of people realize, but sometimes kids need spring ball to make sure they stay eligible for fall ball and not spring ball, right? But like the spring semester, you know, I, I know of a couple examples out there where this kid, if he doesn't pass a lot of these classes in spring, and, and spring's a lot of times where you you take a little bit heavier course load. You, you got to make sure you get you get enough grades in to make sure you actually have the academic progress and and the GPA to be able to be eligible come fall. I know there's coaches out there right now who are worried about that subject, and they're like, "Man, I just I don't know if we can trust this kid working on his own." I mean, we're going to have the the academic support there for him, but it's not the same thing as having him come into come into tutoring. You know, have the sports staffer make sure he, ha- he has his books and, and, you know, kind of read with him through all the material and not, quote unquote, do his work for him. But and I think we all understand in some ways college ball is a little bit like minor league football and, and things get done that have to get done. So uh, some programs are going to have to be pretty creative in how they handle uh, well, yeah. online courses, <laughs> yeah, uh, I if, mean, if you will. Look, uh, yeah. every program, as you could be the best program in the country with the best kids in the country, but every program's got a couple knuckleheads. And uh, I was talking to a, a coach today uh, a, a, who, who sort of brought this up. It's like, look, we've got our handful of guys that we have to, like, we got to hold their hands. We got to get them to class. We've got to get them to do the right thing. And now those guys are at home, like playing Xbox all night. And like, th- there's, there's really, what do you, what do you do? Like if at school, even if, even as you're trying to hold their hand and get them to class, well, then if they don't, then the next day they're in there in the morning doing stadiums or whatever, you know, running, do, doing doing punishment workouts, and and that's a that's a check on them to to keep them on the straight and narrow. And now, like, there is no check on them at this point. Like, the best right. you can do is just kick them off the team. <laughs> and some of these guys are really good players for you know. The, the, so it's. It that that is another challenge. I think that is, you know, it's not it's not just hey get your leaders to to get you guys to work out. I mean, what if some of your best what if you got a couple of really good players that just just don't do anything? They may not be eligible by the fall. Um, and 
we'll, you know, and, and they'll come up with every excuse in the book to, to, to not do the work. And so, um, it's going to be, I think a challenge of leadership and a challenge of communication and, uh, and probably player accountability as much as anything, like the whole taping your workouts and videoing them and posting them on Instagram so that everybody sees you did it. Um, this is going to be the first time in history where like the old, like, Hey, look at me. I'm grinding video <laughs> is actually like, yes, like do it. Like we need to see you grinding for once. Like I always, I always roll my eyes at, you know, if you don't post it on Twitter or Instagram, it didn't happen when you're working out, but no, finally an excuse to go in the weight room and post yourself doing, uh, doing curls. How many coaches do you think had to sign up for an Instagram? Like, like th- th- this week, j- just, just to keep track of this. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of similar to how, okay, normally in the summer, you, you probably have like 10 or 12 June enrollees because a lot of programs do a lot of early enrollees now. So maybe half your class comes in over the summer. And as coaches, you're like, man, we sent these guys the workouts. We, we hope they're doing them. Now it's as if you have 70 or 80 summer enrollees. Right. You know, everybody's coming back to campus. And if some of those freshmen don't do the workouts like you asked them to do or didn't report exactly in the shape, it's not going to tank your season. But if these other guys do it, like your season could really be shot. And there's just a lot we, we can't know, and there's a lot these coaches just can't know. So, you know, recording these workouts is is a pretty big deal. And I think you're like you're gonna see a lot of coaches watching those those recorded workouts and ask the players, hey, record your workout. We we want to uh we want to monitor your form to make sure you're doing it safely, right? Like that that's the reason we want to see this. We'll see. I mean, I, I think the, the other thing that sort of amuses me about this is this is totally flattened. Like everyone, th- this coronavirus doesn't discriminate. You know, the amount of money you have isn't going to keep you from getting it. The, you know, where you live, who, who you're friends with, none of that's going to keep you from getting it. These coaches, a lot of them, they're going home and like they have to be Mr. Mom, like they, they can't just hide out of the office. They have to be home and they've, and and like, it's, it's just really their whole, their whole life. The the coaching community is all about this, like regimented, like a, they're, they're on the road recruiting. Then it's camp season. Then it's, you know, they have their July is like their family time when like they have the, the month off and that's when they get their vacations in. That's when they spend time with their family. Now, like everyone, if, if you're, sitting in your, you know, 1100 square foot house or something. And you're, uh, you're, you're locked in there with your, your, your kids and your wife and your wife's trying to work and you're trying to work. And Hey, you're just like that coach. Maybe they got a little more square footage to work with, but, uh, but they're, they're still going crazy just like you. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. And, and I, they're not gonna be able to tell their significant other, Hey honey, I, I got to go watch film in my office today for eight hours in the house she'd be like no uh-uh, take take the kids right this is yeah right. or at least that, that's how that would go in my house that's right um you and me both oh man um dude we did like almost uh almost an hour you you, you want to save the quarterback rankings talk for next week no doubt i think we i think we we kind of hit all the angles of the coronavirus at least in 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 one uh you know one one bite-sized podcast so we'll there'll, there'll be more to dig into more angles sort of reveal themselves as this thing plays out and we'll, we'll keep on digging in, but hopefully we'll have some non-coronavirus podcasts to come as well. You know, kind of, kind of get our mind off it and just talk ball a little bit too. 
no doubt. I know we'll have some good guests coming up as well, potentially. So uh, everybody's pretty free right now. Um, yeah. We're, we're going to do once you know once a week in the off season, most likely special bonus episodes not included in that. And uh, during the season, we, we plan to do this twice a week. So definitely like and subscribe to the Barton and Bud Show on whatever podcast provider you like. And then tell your friends if you enjoyed it. All right. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.